Julius, what's going on, brother? Peace, good brother. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, man. Waiting on Cav. I just uh, I just patched in with them. Um, I didn't hear from you, so I was wondering if you were going to get on tonight with us. Um, yes, sir. I'm here. All right. How's things going where you are? Pretty good, man. Can't complain. Yo, yo, what up, fellas? Hey, what's up, man? Glad what's up, bro? Chill it, chill it, man. How y'all doing? We good, man. All right. We got a lot of uh, positive reception, man. I haven't got anything negative yet about our talk. They were actually very intrigued about both of you guys bearing a lot, you know, of, of, of yourselves. Um, and I also want to thank you for, for also being, uh, you know, transparent in what you guys do and how you guys feel. So, obviously, um, you know, b- big ups to that. Um, so tonight, let's get into what we want to do. Let's do it. Let's go. What's up? Who are we kicking off with? So um, right, maybe we should do the introductions again. I'm, I, none of us are that famous again. I'm, I'm Kevin Bradley. <laughs> Check me out on IG. Uh, my IG is uh, Corporate Criminals. Uh, just a, a, a everyday dude, man. Former felon trying to live day to day and contribute something to the struggle. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Julius here. Um, I didn't plug my IG last time, but Kev got me. I guess thinking about it now. Um, yes, please do always. Please do always. At, at the mental health guy, at the dot mental dot health dot guy. Um, all things mental health, you know, healing, wellness, um, getting our stuff together. So that's me. Okay. And of course, I'm Cleve. I'm the, I'm the host of the manual. Uh, fellow corporate uh corporate viking now a personal trainer in my life but i am also a entrepreneur and i'm trying to get things all done as a renaissance man eventually <laughs> all right so today kev you actually offline hit me with some stuff that you want to talk about tonight so we can lead in with that but before we do that did you guys hear that one of the officers got bailed today no nah, which one um, I think the um, it wasn't it wasn't the Korean. Um, sorry, Korean. I understand it's called Korean. It wasn't Tao, and it, and it wasn't the um, I believe the guy that he, I think he might be biracial. It's the other. It's the other dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he got Go he ahead. got bailed today, which I was surprised. They put up seven fifty, seven hundred fifty stacks to get this man out. So they got the money. The police. Yo, who put the bread up? Hey. I don't know who put the bread up, but I'm like, you got 750 stacks on a murder case. Damn, bro. Good for you, man. Good for you. Maybe he got 10%. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is still, which is still a good amount of money. That's somebody house or that's somebody, somebody might got that in a bank account. You know, we know how that goes. But I mean, I'm shocked that he even got bail, but I guess his charge is not as as heavy as, as Chobin's, who's got a 1.2 million um, bond. So yeah, man, uh, dude was out, and they already I mean, wrote I've seen, seen people with a lot higher bonds for a lot less charges, but wow, wow, it is that's, what it is. That is that is crazy to hear, man. That is crazy to hear. So, Kev, I, I didn't want to steal your thunder with that, but um, let's see what you want to lead us in with. So I guess yeah, I think one of the first things I wanted to talk about. Actually, I got two things. Some of those came up, but. Uh, topic number one is uh, I wanted to talk about kind of this post um, police state 
where we were, you know, looking at Minnesota abolishing the police force and stuff. And, you know, kind of just, especially with Julius's background to be able to chime in and talk about what that might look like and, you know, kind of clear, clarify how that might look for people. And then uh, number two, the other one I wanted to talk about that just kind of came up on uh, another call I was on earlier today is kind of, uh, I I don't want to say white people per se, but, you know, people that have been oppressors and uh, perpetrators of injustice themselves, kind of stealing the thunder from, uh, you know, uh, from, from this movement right now. So I see, you know, a lot of people on Twitter, you know, posting stuff about Black Lives Matter and like on two, two specific occasions, people that I feel like have, you know, been biased or, you know, uh, displayed, you know, injustice against me um, and I mean, other people I know. So. Wow. I mean, you know, what's you know, it's strange. You know, Mark, Mark Wahlberg, right? Marky Mark. Yeah. He posted something um, about the movement. And he got dragged for it because he has a past. Mm-hmm. Not many, not many people know about Mark Wahlberg's past. That he he actually served yeah, time for hate crimes. Yeah. He served time for hate crimes. He got a, he had a three year sentence, but he did forty five days of it. And he had several instances where he was charged with hate crimes against African Americans, or African Americans, and also Vietnamese people. So man, that sounds like the, the plot of pretty much all the movies he's in. <laughs> yeah. So you know. It, People gotta be people gotta be uh, careful of what they put out to the public realm because, you know, as to Kev's point, a lot of people are capitalizing on this um, because I, I don't know. And one of you guys could probably correct me here: Is Black Lives Matter incorporated anywhere? Like how the NA, NA, I'm sorry, NAACP is or or Southern Legal Christian Conference? Are they are they in a organization or they loosely affiliated or what? What's their what is that whole movement? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, I mean, this is kind of like me and Kev, we were rap, like, kind of starting to rap about this the other day. Like and Kev, you know, been been mentoring and coaching me and, and dropping jewels in my ear. Like, like what does real you really ownership- feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's dope. It's dope. <laughs> Big facts. Like for real. But what does ownership look like? Like I was listening to, um, I know y'all said y'all didn't like the man last, last week, but he's my guy. Up, bro. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. We hear you. Okay. Uh, I said, I know last week y'all said y'all didn't really rock with the guy, but Jay-Z's my guy. I, I listen to Jay-Z. I, I can, I can, you know, take me back to my days in, in growing up in the projects and like being where I am today. So I, I, I like some of his music, not all of it, but just thinking about like, what does ownership look like? Right. So if, if it's that easy for, a, 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 hello? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, if it's that easy for somebody to co-opt a brand or a movement or something like that, then then you know there, there's no ownership involved in it, right? So this is, I mean, we ju- we're just seeing the the oppressive nature of, of of white people to be like dating back to to the beginning of time, right? It's like it's like oh, you know, you get. Right. You see all the memes, you see all the things that are being shared. Like, I feel like that. And and Kev, this is another thing you've been dropping in my ear. Like everybody, you know, retweet, you know, support the cause. And it's like, but do they really support the cause? Like a retweet and a and a and a hashtag. Like what what is that? Like, what's the what what does that do? That's a good point, Jules. That's a very good point. Um, 
because my take on my take on this, and I had this conversation with one of my cousins who is a very woke brother. I want to get him on our, our next call involved with us. Um, I, for one, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter, I, I understand what the what the battle cry is, but I don't as well because I don't know if this is a, a millennial or Gen Alpha movement, um, if it's something else. If it's controlled by George Soros or somebody like that, I don't know what what it is really. But if we're talking about Black Lives Matter and we're using this um, this narrative, where was Black Lives Matter in Chicago every weekend when hundreds of brothers get murdered? You know what I'm saying? Where where was that? Where where was in the city of Newark where I where I kind of spent some time in New Jersey? And every year there's about 200, 300 unsolved murders. Where's Black Lives Matter? Like, where where are these people? I understand Black Lives Matter as it pertains to police brutality and systemat- systematic injustice, but I'm like, if you're screaming on Black Lives Matter, it should encompass that as well. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, but I- I'm just seeing it like that. As if if if, if this is a a unified front, then we gotta we also gotta condemn you know us killing each other. True. It, it's the way the way I see it. Uh, and I said this on our last conversation is it's a fad right now. It's cool to be Popular, yes, um, yes, yes. anti-racist. Right. And like, so I find myself even in conversations with, with, uh, with white people that I could, that are colleagues that I, that I consider friends. I find myself really trying to think about like, are they saying, do they mean what they're saying right now? Like when people say like, I want to be a, a you know, an ally and a co-conspirator and an accomplice and the work doesn't stop and you got to read the books and you got to teach this, like, do, are they really saying that? Cause right. Cause the memes and the posts and all the videos, everybody's sharing that. Read these books to be an anti-racist. Here's what you need to do to your white friends and this and that. So it's easy for an intelligent person to pick that up and run with that, that narrative in those words. But like, how are you living that? Like really living that 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 message that you're pouring out now that now that hundreds you know i don't even know how many people across the world are like black lives matter black like everybody everybody well the fact that it's trending the fact that we're using words like trending and we're using words like it's a fad it's it's popular culture um I mean that's that's what it is. It's it's you know I hope some change come up come of this. But we had the same battle cries when Eric Gardner got killed. If y'all remember about anti police and and anti chokeholds and all this other stuff. And here we are five years later with the same battle cry. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, both you guys have a, a very good point about how this is perceived. I, I have a couple of um, friends that I've spoken to, white and black. And I am, you know, I, I wanted my white friends to be honest with me about how they feel about things. I, I'm not going to look at them indifferent because we've been rocking forever. You know, I don't want something to something to separate somebody because they're uncomfortable having a conversation. Because, again, I didn't bring this conversation up. But if you want to have this conversation, it might get uncomfortable. Because, again, I, I like most people, we keep things inside, inside of us in check. We kind of work through stuff, work around and work and you know work over you know so when it but like i said when it comes down for me my personal take on it is like like the gen alphas and the and the millennials because I'm, I'm 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 a lot older than a lot of people 
Like I might look young to some people, but I'm 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 almost fifty years old. I'll be fifty years old, God willing, in, in four years. You know. So when I look at when I look at things, when I was a teenager, and and my cause, I've said this before. When it comes to the Gen Alphas and the and the millennials, they're a tighter group because they live in the technology uh, technological age where they can upload and stream consciousness quickly. Back in the days, we have to wait for a newspaper or, or a phone call or word to travel in, in, in some capacity where everything now is instant, instant justice, instant everything. And I'm like, you guys got to understand this fight has been going on for a long time. It ain't going to it ain't going to happen. We're not going to get changed next year. We're not going to get changed in five years. We're going to see change, but things have to kind of roll through a cycle. Yeah, I mean, it's we'll see change, man, but it's like. I, I wanted to reach back and touch on a couple of things that you guys had talked about. And, you know, number one, I want to talk about the importance of just people's kind of virtue signaling and branding that now it's not just enough to have the job, right? That you have to be out tweeting on the right side of every issue. You have to be on LinkedIn writing articles about it all the time. And so that's where you get these people who, you know, may or may not you know uh, believe that they might be running organizations where they're personally oppressing people of color and you know women and other vulnerable you know populations but they're on linkedin writing about it they're on twitter tweeting about it walking around you know taking pictures at a black yeah. lives matter you know uh hashtags and stuff like that and so yeah, amazon did it amazon did it. amazon <laughs> amazon came out i don't know if you guys got the email i got i'm an amazon subscriber i got prime and all that kind of crazy stuff and they sent an email about the importance of black lives matter somebody clapped back at jeff bezos he actually posted his response to the email and the person's response but I'm like, did they really have to do that? I, I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you defending the position, but did you have to do that? But I guess for optics, you gotta, you gotta kind of cover all your, you know, all your fronts. Right. Yeah. Right. Right now, there's some, uh, and this came out of Pittsburgh. There's a um, young black lady. She's a uh, was a journalist with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Now this uh, newspaper has, you know, tr- traditionally been perceived as a um you know a, a liberal liberal newspaper and they have you know since swung swung to the right side of the, of the fence and so long story short uh this this young black lady who was a journalist working for them she was covering the protests her and another uh another guy who's uh uh he is a person of color so two people of color and they are they're covering the protests. So long story short, I guess they, you know, they might have they tweeted something or they said something that made the white people within leadership at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette say that they were biased and they could not cover the protests with with an unbiased perspective as a journalist. So they removed yeah. them. They removed the like I don't know if they were the t- two only ones, but like you know, Post Gazette might only have like four or five, you know, people of color on staff. So they removed these two people of color from writing about the protest from their perspective. And they got all this flack. So now this this young lady is like on this uh, ev- everywhere. MSNBC, CNBC, like it went. It's crusade. I mean, think of it like a jury selection. If you, if, you, if there's a case of, you know, with assault and battery or domestic violence and juror number four is a victim or was a victim of, of domestic violence they can't be they, their perspective is going to be like 
I can't I can't look at this as a as an objective thing because I I'm a witness of it. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm a victim of it. I've been a victim of it. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's like it's like that's a very 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 slippery slope, man. So right. I mean, so well, let's, let's not say that personal experience isn't part of objectivity, though. Why why would you think that? I mean, because it's legitimate. It's valid. If, you, if you've been involved in it and up close to it, like whose perspective can be more objective than yours? Yeah, but then you can't be swayed to say, well, listen, you know, that that's not domestic. Well, I'm using domestic violence as a as a catalyst here. That's to say to someone where it it's you know, domestic violence, if, if you're striking someone, you know, and doing that, we we perceive it as assault and stuff like that. But we we may not know that, okay, maybe you're the per, the person that's firing off the shot first. Maybe you're the one that's hitting first and then in retaliation you get hit back and now you're claiming domestic violence so your your perspective is going to be well this person just hits me but then it's like you forgetting to say that you hit them too right like this is a but i'm just saying like you you can't come from the argument that somebody can't be objective in talking about racism and oppression because they personally experience racism and oppression well there's a lot of black people that 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 walk this earth that either are closed they close-minded to it or they they live in a bubble to the point where they never experienced being stopped by the police. I have a friend that's never been, who he claims has never been stopped by the police, ever. He's never had, he knows of these things happening because, you know, it's in the public realm, but he's like, I've never been stopped by the police. And I'm like, right. okay. <laughs> do y'all really, do y'all feel like th- this is, is kind of like a little bit of a lightweight subject change, but like when people post stuff, right, do y'all see people post stuff and, and y'all are like, wow, I'm, I moved, like I moved to change my behavior and change how I act. Like, have y'all ever seen anything posted like that and been like, "This, this"? Kevin I have, just yeah, I, have. I definitely it, have. What, like, like of recent, or you mean just recently? like in general? Because I guess I'm just trying to think of like when people actually post stuff. Does it really resonate um, with people? And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you exactly who posts stuff like that. That that totally, I wouldn't even be on this podcast right now talking to you right now. Is my man Wallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta check that out. For me, years ago, and I, I mentioned this one time. Years ago, I was um, it was one of those moments like you just get caught caught in yourself. I was about, I was thirsty, and I drink a lot of coconut water. I drink a lot of, you know, I used to drink a lot of Gatorade, but then I, I stopped because of the sugar. Anyway. I was thirsty and I went and bought a big bottle of water. I went and bought a you know a big gallon thing of water, like a dollar thirty-nine for it. I got to my office and I sat down and I opened my email. This is this is how far ago this was. This is before social media and all that, before Facebook. Opened my email and someone had sent around a viral photo. It was a young African child in a some kind of I wanna say like it was like a big pit. They were doing some excavation stuff. And an earth mover, big land, big truck had had made an indentation in the soil, and rainwater had pooled. And this little boy was like leaning over to drink the water, the nasty, dirty, crazy water. And I'm sitting there like, yo, I just went and bought a, a big gallon of water for a dollar thirty-nine, and this child is sitting here like bending over to drink polluted water. And now that like stuff like that is seared into me, like, yo, the audacity of me thinking that oh, I'm thirsty. I could have just got a cup of water somewhere. I could went to the faucet and got water. But I went and bought my water. And this, this child can't even drink water. 
So I know what you're talking about. So so here's the thing. As you're talking, you made me think of something, and I haven't thought of this, right? So so for me, right, all, all my all my 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 white colleagues, friends, brothers and sisters, however we want to refer to them, like I haven't seen any of their posts and been like, okay. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, this is, this is all of us, all, you know, I, I, I haven't. I'm ready to start yeah. eating avocado toast. Yeah, I haven't done that, <laughs> and I think the reason why is right. I'm, gonna try to pull a little bit of mental health into this. Like, it's almost like a therapeutic thing. Like when you're in trauma, which all, damn near all, I'm gonna say all, mo- most black and brown people right now, you can't you can't really function at your, your your full capacity and thinking and consciousness when you're in the midst of trauma. So while all allies and white allies are like, hey, like do this and here's we what could we what could we do and how could we support you with like, yo, I'm just trying to process this shit. Like you don't have to come back, get back with me in like six months when it's all yeah. processed. Right. So it's almost like this whole barrage of like we're we're in it. We support you. We support you. We support you. Like you're really gonna have to check back in in like three to six months. And yeah, it's you make a good point. Just try to cut you. That's like responding to a storm. It's like we just had a massive hurricane. It's massive destruction everywhere. And you're asking me, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, man. I just gotta get. I gotta collect myself. I gotta. I, I gotta figure out what what the next move is gonna be. What we gonna do? I mean, I'm I'm comparing apples and oranges. But you're right. It's like, let me just get through, like what what I just what just happened, and I, I'll check back with you when I when I formulate my thoughts when I get when I collect myself. So would y'all rather have white people not check in with you to say, well, what's up, how you feeling, or yeah, you check in, I, I check in with you? I would because because prior to this, prior to this, stuff been going on. So this is, is this is you know this I guess they started a conversation or this brought some light on some stuff. But I'm like prior to this, you know we've had we've had videos, we had Tamir Rice, we had Eric Gardner, we had Sarah Bland. Like <laughs> I get it. This was a little you know you guys described it to eloquently last time about a, like a snuff film or whatever. But it's like okay, this is this is one of like 20, 20 things in the last probably five years. So yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't want you to ask me if I'm okay. I want you to press on on what you're gonna do. But I'm not looking for somebody to, to lift me up. I think that's, and I might be wrong in saying that. I'm not looking for somebody to lift me up. You know, you heard, you heard the battle cries. You heard the call. Let's move and do it. Like I'm not, I'm not here to teach you the history. I'm not here to go back through and rehash all this shit. I'm, I'm telling you, like, listen, you wanna, you wanna pick a cause, then. Pick, pick on homelessness in, in the black community because if you defund the police one of the things you could do is, is fight homelessness and or mental health for homeless people right yo so I, I was also wondering about this earlier is what's it going to be like in 10 years right with these same people that was out marching they out writing articles on you know the internet and all type of stuff um in 10 years are they going to turn around you know it's like me and my wife didn't go out to dc to the protest because we got two kids and you know we're legitimately worried that like what if we go down there and get targeted something happens we get arrested we get injured and we can't you know hold down the family you know what i'm saying and so we we made that conscious decision not to do it but 
but you know some of these other people that are they in 10 years going to turn around and be like well i was out protesting where were you i was out you know writing these articles and doing whatever like i i, I did that's, i did my part for the cause but kev that's what you said last time about i marched with dr king it's gonna be them people you know i, you know, I was I, I was out there i'm like bro <laughs> whether you out there or not i still live in the shell i still live in, in my black skin i still got to deal with stuff you know what i'm saying like th- that's the thing like going to a protest or going to a march or or, or or hashtagging as Julia said about stuff that don't make you all of a sudden like you you know all thrusted into this thing it's way deeper than that Like when, and, and I think that's what it is it's uh, like when these companies and I've done 50 of these hey we need you to come and do a, a, a diversity equity and inclusion workshop we need you to come in and do a two hour training to try to undo all this racism in our leadership and throughout our organization. Like, it's like, nah, like that's not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm that's going to cause more harm because I'm, a, I had, a, I did, I was going in to do a training for a mental health agency. They had a, probably 30 people in the training. One, maybe, not, it might only have been one, one black woman there. One, one black woman, two people of color. And long story short, I remember one of the supervisors, I was talking about, <laughs> I was talking about microaggressions. White, white, white man, supervisor, been with the been with them for a while. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me if I unintentionally say something and somebody gets offended by it, it's my fault? He said, I don't I don't and I will not subscribe to that. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and yeah, Jules, look at it like this. How many, and we can all attest to this at some level of, of our lives, how many how many places you've worked or how many years on the job that you've had to take sexual harassment training? Like, we've all sat in those classes. I mean, once I was a, a year, manager. Once a year pro- and, yeah. and when you get hired. Yeah. So, so I was a property manager for a lot of years. And one of the things I had to take training on and I had to get recertified every year for was fair housing, which... Civil Rights Act of 1964 and all that went with that so obviously um, there were people in the class that were taking it for the first time I'm in my 15th cycle of taking it but it's to what Jules said it's like (laughs) I'm going through the same thing over and over again if you got me doing diversity training what was different from the last time last year that I did this training than this year other than a couple of incidents in, in in media or 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 society, but it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. Hey, with, with that scenario, with that with that dude, I said uh, this was this was day two of a of a two day training. So the first day I went in, <laughs> first day I went in, I tried to go in super hard, like, oh, you're all ra- you're all racist, yelling and screaming, right? And I saw they like furled up and they was just like, this dude, we we this the trainer today, like this is how it's gonna be. So second day I went in and I realized this is important right now. Black and brown people, protect your energy because you're being called to teach and educate and do all this stuff on top of being in a, a, a double pandemic that will eat your, drain your energy and put you to a point where you're like, man, I don't. I don't want to do anything. All I want to do is sleep. So I, when I, the second day I went in and he said that, I said, yeah, you, you, 
you don't have to subscribe to it. That's fine. All right, class. Now we're gonna keep keep on moving into the next level. Yeah. Like, just care. It's battle. It's battlefield triage. You're you're patching up people in the midst of a war. You got to keep your wits about you. You got to keep your your head on straight. You got to keep your weapon on cocked, and you got to still patch up, patch me up. I'm like Jules, patch my patch my arm, and you got to like look out for somebody behind you. This is, as Douglas Baldwin said, man, you know to be to be a black man in America is to be in a constant state of rage. True. You have to you have to constantly be on guard against a lot of things because. Again, I always, I always, when I talk about racism, um, I guess it subscribes to the same thing of, you know, if if a foreign-born black from like Africa versus somebody who was born here in America, you know, we're still from the same race. I think we use racism, the word racism, as a as a, a white against black thing, but it also could be within the race within superiority within the race where someone feels that they are of a higher stock than another person because of where they come from or where they, you know, where they originate from, stuff like that. I always wanted to ask you, Kev, by being biracial, do you do you identify with one side or you embraced it all? So, you know what? I mean, I, I uh, grew up, you know, kind of oblivious, like living with my parents uh, in Los Angeles very diverse you know and race wasn't an issue until i really moved to ohio um you know and and so at that point you know this this is back in the early 80s um it it, it wasn't a choice like you know what i'm saying like nobody was like yo like which like um so you so so it never got called into question is what i'm i guess what i'm asking Oh yeah, so I mean, obviously, like I, I identify with being black, but okay. no, well, I, I guess I wasn't asking. I wasn't asking you to, oh, to okay. make that determination, um, you know. But I, I was just saying, um, my daughter has a, okay. a a biracial child, and she's 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 worried about um, the future for her daughter because you know I said by the time uh, Naomi's of age. We don't know what we'll be dealing with, but then she says, "Well, look at, look at her. You know, look at her. She's, you know, she's not biracial, but I'm not from here, and her mother is from America. But we, well, culturally, we used to clash because when it comes down to certain things, like how we celebrate certain things, like I was like you, like growing up where I grew up before I came to America and then lived in Canada for a second like a lot of stuff didn't it didn't resonate with me until I got here because I was like you know prejudice is everywhere but racism is something that I dealt my first introduction to racism was was American blacks against me against people like me that wasn't from here that was my first introduction to like yo this is like unfair treatment they you know they wilding and then of course going going to high school predominantly black and Spanish high school I went to all boys Catholic high school and I didn't get my first introduction to being among whites until I got to college and that's weird to say that that I was 19 18 19 in my first interaction being in classrooms and all that because my whole life it wasn't I grew up in situations where I was always we was in you know class with 90% of the class was black yeah 
so I got, it's funny that this came up. I got a, um, you know, some, I don't even know what to call it, reflections. So my, my wife is white and we don't have any children, but I run, a, I run an organization that is solely centered on the black experience. It's like all, everything we do is black mental health, at least right now. And, and it's, 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 you know, obviously it's getting to the point where we, we know that mental health doesn't discriminate and everybody needs mental health support. But the point I'm trying to get to is I know for a fact, I know for a fact I've been in rooms, I've been sitting at these tables where we're talking about uh, disparities and in, 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 uh, inequality and how black people don't have access to mental health resources like their white counterparts. And I know that some of the professionals, some of the black professionals in the space look at me like, you got a white wife, shut the hell up. Like they ain't saying it, but I could, I could, you know, energy is real. Like, so I'm like, you could look at me and I could look at you and I know, right. Then I, then in my mind, I say something back to you, but like, which, which, which we said earlier, but I'm in, I'm in my black shell. Like I, I've been in my black shell. The fact that if, 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 if I'm walking down the street with my white wife and I do some wild and crazy stuff, give it 10, 15 minutes. Bet you I'll be in handcuffs. Like, like, all right. So here, here's, here's, a, here's a, uh, an incident, right? So I, um, my wife was driving. This was probably like a couple months ago. We were driving. Kev, I know you're familiar with, with, with Squirrel Hill, the neighborhood of Squirrel Hill um, in Pittsburgh. So Squirrel Hill is like, uh, uh, have a, a, a large Jewish population, um, really nice, nice homes, you know, biz, business district, um, the grocery store, all, all, that, all that good stuff. And my wife was driving and she comes, she's coming up to this red light and I'm like, all right, she ain't gonna stop. She's just like powering through this thing. So she powered through it. Plus that left, and we hear woo. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm I I ain't driving. Like I ain't I've done nothing wrong, right? Nothing at all. And I'm like, all right, here we go. What's what's this gonna be like? And my wife, right? She's in her mind, like living living as a white woman. So she's like, you know, the officer is asking her different things, and she's just like really like irritated with him and giving him. And I'm in my mind, I'm like wow like i really just want don't want her to give this dude a hard time like i just really want to just you know we, we in a well-lit area we in a nice neighborhood i'm just like please don't get this man a hard time because i don't know what what is going to happen and at one point probably five, five you know three minutes into it after he's asking her like oh you knew you knew the light was red why did you run it this and that he's like she she didn't have her driver's license on her and she works uh, in the public defender's office. So she starts saying like, you know, well, I know I don't need to have my driver's license. I know I can produce it within a certain amount of days. And then he comes out of nowhere and was like, I bet your, your passenger doesn't have his driver's license on him. And I'm like, I don't, do you need I'm in the passenger seat, bro. I don't even need my, it was, it was, and it was a, it was an, uh, an Asian cop. So in my mind, at first I thought like, all right, you know, dude going to be like, you know, a little like less of a of an idiot. But he's just like, I bet you're right. Like, wh why did he even throw that into the conversation? Like, what what was he trying to accomplish? I mean, the fact that she, if she was dropping that she's in the public defender's office and all of that, he figured, OK, well, this, I don't want this smoke. But I'll I want that smoke. Mm. <laughs> 
that's that's the only, that's the only summation I have for for something like that. I mean, and we we've all we've all had that happen in some capacity with with friends or with somebody, and we get pulled out, singled out. It's like okay, and 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 this is the, this is the conversation that a lot of people um, are now hearing like for the first time, and they're appalled by. But I'm like, it's normal for for me. I have never met you personally, Jules, like face to face, but I can I can relate to you for what you just said. I can relate to what you just said. It's a common thread between us. Mm. I, um, I had this funny story in college. So I, I had a friend from upstate New York, from Nyack, named um, Eric. And um, Eric's now a professor in Richmond, and he's also a street, a street preacher, which is funny to me because he does some crazy stuff. But um, one of the things, um, he has a black wife. All through college, he, he liked black women, and, you know, he ended up marrying um, a black woman, and they have a child. And I speak to him here and there. We talk about stuff. Eric is kind of an extreme. But he is, he is uh, and I hope I don't offend anyone by, by saying this, he is what I call Richie Cunningham White from, like, Happy Days. Like, really just kind of, like, in that, in that zone. But he's very conscious of what it is. So we are comfortable in our race to have conversations where I remember in college, he saw me dap a friend up and give him a head nod. And we walked back and he said, what was that? I said, what, like, what was what? He was like, what, what was that? I said, oh, I, I just said, what's up to him? He's like, wait a minute. You didn't, y'all didn't say a word to each other. Y'all just dap, head nod and move. He said, what did, what did that mean? I said, that was a whole paragraph. I was just being funny. I'm like, I'm asking him good he's asking me if i'm good catch you later that type of thing and then later on he's with one of his white friends and they say what's up and they have a conversation for about six minutes just asking about each other and i said what was that about he goes what i said that whole exchange right there he was like oh i asked him what was up i said that's the same thing i just did and it was us having a laugh about it because i was like if i asked you what was up you're actually gonna tell me but i don't care He's like, what do you mean? I said, I don't, you telling me I'm okay, everything's good, I'm good with that. It's like being at a funeral when somebody say to you, hey, Kev, can I get you anything? Are you okay? Anything I can do? It's a formality because you might be like, you know what? Yeah, I got this funeral bill. You gonna help me with that? <laughs> I'm like, nah, I didn't mean I'm gonna help you with that. I'm just saying, are you all right? So always, always, I ain't, talk, I always said think it about once. I everything. Said you good. I ain't say um, you good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yo, Joe, exactly, can I put your boy exactly, Obi on blast? Yeah. Oh, Obi, that ain't my boy. <laughs> so, all right, man. So, yeah. Now, well, I look, use his name. We had talked about, you know, the whole um, African or whatever, right? So, you know, we we were at school. You know, I'm, me and my me and my brother both went to to school at the same time. Me and Joe's my brother. Everybody all ran in the same little group, but. So, you know, we, we were meeting people on the first day of school and this this dude, man, he was Nigerian. And, you know, I think, you know, he probably grew up in an affluent household or whatever. And so, you know, it's me and my brother who's mixed and, you know, a couple other people. I think uh, James was there too, Drew. Um, but so he rolls up on us and starts talking. And like, he has this air of superiority about, you know, being Nigerian. And he tells like me and my brother, he's like, yeah, he's like, y'all, he's like, y'all used to be slaves. Like y'all people came from slaves. Like y'all are niggers. Like, 
And I'm like, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and at that point, like, I really, for at least for me, like, I really, because I had heard my dad tell stories about that with some Africans that he would run into in LA, you know, back in the day. But like, there really is, yeah, at least for some people, a little separation. Um, between Africans it's way and more than little, black man. people in America. You know what I'm saying? Like, major separation. Black people in America. Major. Yeah. It's major, bro. Because because we share two distinct histories. Our 400 years in, in behind enemy lines and in, in captivity is different from them, you know, having occupation. Like, they're, you know, some of the countries were, were invaded or, or colonized or whatever it was. So it's, it's two different. It's two different narratives. It's two different ways. So um, the friends that I have that are Nigerian, Liberian, Tanzanian, Sierra Leoneans, stuff like that, they all have a different history. But they don't. They don't even. Um, and and I'll, I hope I don't paint with a broad brush here. They don't even acknowledge the fact that that slavery happened here. It was like, like oh y'all kind of let that happen. And, like no, y'all don't. Y'all was good with that. that. I'm like bro, like we came. Yeah, we came from here. Like we came from here. You know what I'm saying? They just celebrated the uh and I, I hate to use the word celebrated, but you know, the, the four hundred situation in Ghana, you know, uh, well, West African region of the world, um, of, of people being brought here. So it's a major problem. And I told you I grew up in a in, in a neighborhood where we had Caribbean blacks, um I'm South American, but they identify us as Caribbean, mm. but I was born in South America. Um and you know like when you when something happened in the neighborhood you stuck with your kind and what i meant by that or mean by that is that if if me and jules had a problem jules is american and you're american although we boys if the problem was with one of my peoples from from guyana i gotta kind of roll with that although we friends i'm like yo kev i gotta i gotta i gotta take sides on this one i'm, I'm gonna go with my countrymen and if you didn't do that, it was like you you were you were trading like oh you, you want to be American you want to be a Yankee you want to be a Yankee and I'm like whoa 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 what's what's all that because that's that's kind of how it was you stuck in your little pocket but then now if we had a situation with with the white person then now me and Jules got you know I'm like Jules I got your back you like wait a minute you had my back when your boy you got my back now and I'm like it's different <laughs> it's just. That was how it was. That's 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 what I grew up in. Up until I was 19 years old, I grew up in a bubble, a a, yeah, a real wild. small bubble. Yeah, for 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 me being mixed, it never went down like that. I was always, you know, wow. the odd man out. I can imagine that. I mean, I, like I said, I. I my daughter, my daughter explains, you know, her son, she has two children. Her son is, you know, his dad's from Chicago. And he's, you know, he's African-American straight up. But her daughter is mixed. And she, she, I said, well, I don't, you know, I'm not going to tell somebody how to raise their children. But I'm like, don't, don't make them pick sides. Don't make them identify with anything. You know what I mean? Especially, especially your daughter. Like, don't don't force race on her until she, until she brings it to you. Like, well, mommy, what right. what do I identify as? Because by you doing that, that's like that's like religion. And this is and I hope I don't sound like an atheist here or anything anything other than because I do believe in God. But I I remember when I was fourteen, telling my parents, I said, I wish you guys had made me pick what I could be. 
because I don't I don't identify all the way with certain religions. You know what I'm saying? Certain things I just don't really identify with because if I read other texts, I kind of like start making my own thing. But then religion is something that you're supposed to blindly just follow. Like, oh, because it's written, that's that's it. It's gospel. It's written. Don't don't challenge it. That kind of thing. And I'm like, no. You know? So I always always think of it like that. I always think of it like, okay, don't don't force you what you believe in on somebody. Because if you were born on a desert island with no concept of God, unless you, unless I told you that 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 people believe in a God, you wouldn't know that. You probably wonder where you're from, like where do I come from or how did I come to be? But you wouldn't have any concept of God. That's something that you it's nature versus nurture. Like you you built you you put that in somebody's head. Like your parents could have made you say, Well, Kevin, you're white, or Kevin, you're black. Well, I mean they you they, know what I'm and they, they forced that. They I, force I think that there are people that experience that biracial people. Um but I from my experience, I don't believe that that is possible because you know, and I, I was trying to explain this to my mom, right? Like my only connection to whiteness is through her and her parents. My mom's the only child, so I don't have, you know, a lot of aunts and uncles or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So like that's my only connection to that. And I was trying to explain to her that like, you know, because she like, you know, she's always asked, like, well, do you feel connected to, you know, your white side, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, you know, anything about not feeling like family or whatever. But, you know, whiteness is it's a racial construct, right? It's not a national identity, it's not a religion, it's nothing. It is a caste system that, you know, is not unique, but it is very heavily, it's very um, prevalent in the United States of America and throughout the Americas. Um, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't, it's, you're either, either you're white or you're not. You see what I'm saying? Either you're white or you're minority. And, you know, it goes back to the one drop rule and stuff like that. But, you know, like you think about me, like, you know, I was born in the seventies, um, you know, right after the civil rights movement, my father was black. Right. So babies like me, you know, 50 years, you know, 20, 15, 20 years before that, you know, for the most part, wouldn't have existed. Like, they would have offed my dad and my mom and me, you know, for, you know, a black man getting a white woman pregnant um, to be to begin with. So, but, you know, it's now, you know, it's like when I was a little kid, like, I could count. I knew all of the other biracial people that lived in the same town. It was, it was probably like 10 of us. You know what I'm saying? Now you go there, everybody's got, you know, babies and you know cousins and grandchildren that they you know what i'm saying it's, it's a whole different scenario but you know back then in, in the 80s it wasn't like that and so you know they gave like they assigned me they say you know well you're biracial which means that you're black you know and that's what it was that was from the teacher yeah, that was I, but like it was before recess on my first day of school when i moved from california to ohio you know what I'm saying? It was it was just like that. And Jules, like you could probably relate. I imagine it's very similar in Farrell too. You go to some of these places in the interior of the country. There's no Puerto Ricans or Dominicans or South Americans. Like it's black and it's white. And so you know that's the first assumption I'm that you're gonna be. They're not assuming you're you know Middle Eastern or something else. They're assuming that you're mixed. Yeah, I, I've never met. Um, I, I'm sorry, I've met one Native American in my right. entire life. Well, let's call it two. 
because uh, the, a person that I know, she's mixed. But the guy that I know, he's straight up Native American. And he actually migrated from um, the Midwest to um, the East Coast. And I was like, you know, talking to him. And I was like, man, I said, you know, if I didn't meet you, I would just think you're a figment of my imagination because I would just only see people like you on TV. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, yeah, he's like, what you just said, Kev, is like, if you go certain places, you're not going to see certain types of people. And if you do, I met a, I used to work with a trainer that was from Iowa. She was black from Iowa. And I said, oh, you guys have moved there? She said, no, no, they moved there like in the 70s and I was born there and I grew up there. I was like, what? And I was like, I just couldn't put my head around. I was like, wow, all the places that I could think of, I didn't think that there were a lot of black people in Iowa. She's like, oh, there's, there's communities out there. And I was like, wow, you know, I need to broaden my horizons because maybe I'm ignorant to the fact. But, you know, I uh, I knew prejudice growing up, but racism was something, like I said, my introduction to, to, to racism was through yeah. black on black. And it was, it was, I mean, it was horrible because it was like things like, if there was like a party, if Kev had a party over the weekend, Jules went, but then I'm hearing about it on Monday, all oh, the party was great. I'm like, why well, didn't get the gum? Oh, because you you're not one of us. I'm like, what? It was like that. It was like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. But so yeah, that's I don't Jules, is, is that is that what it was like though? If in, in Pharaoh? <laughs> Man, Pharaoh is my hometown, but it's one of the most y'all got backward. a lot of kids and, 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 and okay. If they if they hopping off I eighty to just drop something off and then hit <laughs> back out, that's it. That's the thing, right? Boys come in and, and, and ladies they come in, they coming from Youngstown, they coming in from not out to the yo. Wow. They just dropping something off, and they, and as a matter of fact, now they might, they might lay up, may, lay up with a young lady in the projects for a couple months for the summer, and then just dip back out. Like that's like Pharaoh. Like, like, yeah, it's like. <laughs> but as, as y'all talking, I've had, and I, and I, I have a, I have my therapy sessions every Wednesday at eleven, and it's interesting that we're talking about uh, black people and, and African Americans. My therapist is uh, is African. And so when I got into having these conversations about about my my, my racial uh, identity, um, you know, in past, present and future, I want to look at my view myself and be. And I just remember certain situations where like I would. So it's a couple. It's a few things. Right. So one, I remember certain situations where people would be like, you ain't mixed. And I thought and then people would be like, are you sure? I'm like, no, I'm. What kind of question is that? Like, no, I'm not mixed. Like, oh man, I just thought so. Right. So, what, what gives people that perception? Right. What are what kind of key are they looking for? What does that even mean for them to assume? Is it okay? I know I'm light skinned, and is it okay? I'm, I'm talking a certain way. Is it because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a, a certain role or whatever? So that's one thing that's been really messing with my whole racial, my sense of racial identity. Another thing is, um, uh, oh man, it's gonna take my time and I lost the train of thought. But uh, so just this this idea of like, um, oh okay, here it is, right? So in my in my day in my professional life, I'm always like, on any given day, I'm in I'm in two spaces. I could be literally in the hood on the block with our our the people in our program, the elders, the the people that's that's you know they they didn't did it all they got war stories they gang bang they they sold drugs they 
you know, they, they got all the stories, but they're in this mental health program and they're giving back to their community, right? So I'm near, I'm, I'm with them, we learning, we building, we healing and breaking bread and fellowshipping. And then two hours later, I'm in the, I'm in the, in the, in the foundation room with like five white men and women. And we're talking about, you know, their portfolios and how much money they got to give. And it's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna be real. I'm not talking the same way in that meeting than when I'm with the people that they're giving me that money to serve in the hood. I'm not, I'm not. Tell them about the code switching tools. Like, so, so like that, like, I'm just thinking like what some, and sometimes I would go to the, to the meetings in the hood and I have my little suit on. I try, like, I try to take the tie off and leave the jacket in the car and they like, What'd you do today? Where was you at today? Like, hold on, like, Jules. Can I ask you a question real quick, though? When yeah. you went to the boardroom, did you take the fitted off? <laughs> <laughs> or is hey, this listen, man, really attached to your head? Nah, listen, man. The, 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 the receding hairline in, the, in them rooms, man, that has wisdom. They're like, oh, this dude. Been been oh, he's very wise, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look at the hairline. He's a business with Nah, so. We, I mean, I, I mean, we all have our, we all have our professional tone, and we all, we all have our because, um, to that, Jules, you bring up very something very serious. Like, we have the way you would talk to a, someone with a PhD is not the way you would talk to somebody that has a third grade education. Why not? Like, why not? Why not? Yeah, I mean, I why feel not? like that's another huh? part of privilege. I got a, because, a quick story. I know you, uh, you're supposed to be winding down about now. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm. No, no, we can no, keep it going. I'm going to have to jump off in a pushing. second. But I was, at, I was at University of Pittsburgh, man. I'm, I'm in a lab, right? And there were a number of, you know, black people in the lab. But we would all wait to come in at night so we could play our own music and whatever, right? And so I'm in there with this young lady. And, like, all of a sudden, like, I, it, it was just the two of us in there, right? She had left the room or whatever. And I'm doing what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know... Bro, it, it sounded like, um, you know what I'm saying? It, it sounded like uh, Beanie Man or something was in the other room, right? And I'm hearing, I your mind. But you know what I'm saying? It's a heavy, heavy Jamaican accent. And I'm like, yo, like somebody ran up in the lab in here. You know what I'm saying? And um, I go in there thinking I'm going to run up on, on Lennox from Belly. And it's, it's the girl that was in there, you know what I'm saying, working with me. I had no idea that she was Jamaican. She spoke perfect English, but she only felt comfortable, you know, to really, like, be her true self. Like, I'm telling bro, she had a heavy Jamaican accent, man. I was like, wow. Well, well, my accent only comes out with my mom. If my mom's talking to me or I get upset, like, really, I'm talking like, yeah. really upset, my accent comes out, you know? So, like, I, I know exactly what you mean so to answer your point before you go Kev if I'm talking to somebody who's a PhD right both you brothers are educated brothers so I'm talking to you guys and I, I would never want to offend you talking in layman terms about something like you have third grade education or if I'm talking to somebody with a third grade education because I've had this happen numerous times when I was a property manager if I had to meet with a resident or meet with an association or condos whatever meet with somebody and I'm talking to them and they're either saying to me hey man can you like not use the jargon that you use in your profession or can you use some words I can understand like bring it down or they're looking at you as like 
like, dude, like, are you the are you the manager of this place? Because you you talk like you got a third grade education. So you have to fit, you have to fit what you're talking about. You have to be able to if I'm talking to astrophysicists about and I'm and I'm and I'm also one. If we're talking about something and you get in the conversation, we're not going to be able to engage in what we talk about because you're in the conversation with us. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck, I got Kev standing here. Let me, let me, let me bring this back. You might know some terms that we're talking about, but if we start talking about vectors and quasars, you like, what? The, like, yo, you do talking around me? Are they insulting me? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. So that's why I say that. Like, you have to. To me, I should never feel like I have to dumb myself well, down. Jews like. You said when you go to the hood, you gotta talk to some people in a certain way for them to understand because you have you have a a, a world a wealth of knowledge in your field. So for you to explain a diagnosis to somebody, you gotta really right. dig but it the, down. But the way that you the way that you pronounce words and your vernacular has nothing to do with the actual content of what it is that you're saying, right? So like we should never forget that. I I think you know we all coast which we all know. You know, we call what we we do what we call putting our best foot forward. Um, you know, like when we get into a job interview or when the police pull us over, you know, whatever. It's a, it, yeah, we tap that. And, and, it's a and tap the reason, and the reason, the reason why is because we're ducking oppression. Like we don't want to instigate uh, an episode of discrimination. Just based on the why, the way that we speak, and that's want, why we do it. Yeah, you want you want that person, you want that policeman. If, if we're talking about the realm of police brutality, you want that policeman that says, "Well, this is not some dumbass right. nigga I'm about to talk to here. This dude got some sense." They, but they like, may you, not actually what it is. be thinking that, that's right? What, but, but, but the sort of, the, but the other point I wanted to make under, is, is that certain, you know, like you rarely hear. When I do have one girl, uh, one woman, she's a, a Jersey girl. And she said she practiced for years to try to hide her Jersey accent. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah I, have I, I, it. I have one. Um, <laughs> but so you know, I, I won't say it's unique to Black people, but you know, for the most part, like you don't hear um, white Southerners really trying to hide their draw, or you know, um, French people trying to hide their French accent. You know what I'm saying? Like when they speak English or whatever, they feel comfortable that they're going to be evaluated based off the merit of who they are and it should be the same way for minorities but it's not but but here's the thing so I, and I'm that was a eloquent defense of what you're saying what I was saying was actually a more, a more simpler way if if I say to you Kevin give me give me the give me the ingredients or give me I'm sorry give me the recipe for how you make your burgers to make a cheeseburger you gonna tell me, okay, I'm gonna get ground beef or ground turkey or whatever you use it as your base, and then you're gonna start telling me about what you put on the burger. You're gonna tell me, hey, I'm gonna use a dash of black pe- um a black pepper, a pinch of a pinch of this, uh, uh, uh something of that. And I'm like, I understand that because I understand what you're saying, a pinch. But if you look at a at a box of something that's giving you ingredients or a recipe to something, it's not gonna say put a pinch of black pepper on it. It's gonna say add mm-hmm. a half cup of black pepper. I don't know what you make uh, with a, a half, half cup, cup of this. That's a damn punch. <laughs> he said take two handfuls. <laughs> but you guys, but you guys get what I'm saying. 
So, Kevin, take a fitted Yankees hat full of black pepper. This is why I love being black, man. This is exactly why I love being black because nobody could nobody could turn turn that the way that you just did it. But you get what I'm saying, like it's 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 uh being formal. I guess that's the word I'm, I was looking for. Being formal, formalities. You know what I'm saying? Like I grew up, um, I guess Caribbean air quotes. So to this day, as a grown, grown, grown man, I still would address somebody as who's older than me as Mr. Mr. Madam, whatever. Or I say, please and thank you. Or I say, if you invited me to your house, if Kev said, come over to have dinner next Sunday, and I come to your house, when I get to the door, I'm going to stand in the doorway, on the inside of the doorway, like a vampire waiting to be invited to, to sit down and take my coat off. I'm going to be sitting there. If you, had a, if you had a mullet, you would be looking like the vampire in Brooklyn, too. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you get what I'm saying? Like, so there's formalities. Like, you you address your audience as needed. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, when I met you, Cal, I didn't know you okay. were mixed. I just thought you were light-skinned black. Yeah, I, I you, you gave me no indication that you, you know, were mixed or anything. Like, I think it was probably summertime, yourself. too. <laughs> it helps. Yeah, yeah we, 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 I have, I have, I have you on a video working out as I'm working some dude out in the gym. I got yeah. you in the background before we. Oh met, yeah, yeah, yeah. You working like you working the heavy back. Yeah, yeah. You have, you know. So I, when I meet people, if you talk to me a certain way from the onset, I'm gonna do that. With when you gave me Jules' information, I didn't talk to him like, "Yo, what's up, bro? What's going on here?" <laughs> I didn't talk to him like that because I know oh, this yeah. man's an educated man. Like he, I'm not. Hey, put some respect on Right, that's the thing for me. That's my. That's what I'm working on with my therapist, right? Because you, if you'd be like, "What's up, bro?" I'm like, "What's going on with you, bro?" Like I would have like, right? Say something wild, and as yeah, I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm like, "Why?" In my mind, I'm like, "Why are you talking like that? Why? Why are you talking like that right now?" Exactly. You made my point for me. You made my point for me because again, if I use the example of me and Kev. When Kev talked to me, he said, "Hey, how you doing, man? What's up?" Like he didn't he didn't say like, "Yo, what's up, kid? What's going on?" Kid? He didn't talk to me like that. Although we we shared that kind of background, we even shared you know being MCs and all of that. Like we didn't approach each other like that. It was like humble, respectful, like that. And then even when we talked later on, I met his son and all that. Like we we still I he still addressed me where I had respect for him as like he never dumbed it down with me. This man told me where he worked, the kind of background he had, you know what I'm saying? The duality of the background he had. But this is before all this, you know, that I know he was mixed and all that. This is before all of that. And I'm like, wow. So I, if Kev approached me with the whole, yo, what's up, kid? Then we always going to be that. That's like a woman going on a date with somebody. I teach my daughter this. If a man call you out your name and you don't address him right then and there, or like someone, one of your white friends used the word nigga and you don't address it, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be a problem. It's gonna be like, well, you never said nothing before. I always say that. Now you got a problem with it. Yo, that's so important. It's so important. I want to go back to what I was talking about with that, with that training, right? And that guy's like, I don't subscribe to this, right? So if you could just press stop and pause that moment, I could have done something differently. And I know it's people that have moments like that where you could go, you could go left, or you could go right, like. I, I could have been like, what you, you know what I mean? I could have, I could have, 
not not in a, in a, in a disrespectful way, but I could have really been like, no, nah, okay, well, class, we're gonna stop, and me and Bozo the Clown, we're gonna have a conversation, right? We really gonna get into this and really dig. But for me, in my mind, right, I'm like, you, you black man, you in front of all these yeah. white people, yeah, bro, you, they, they, yeah. you say something reckless, they gonna they liable to just kick you out with no pay. Brother, you had two million. You had two million black people during the eight years of, of Barack's presidency who wanted to see him do that. Mm-hmm. They wanted. I don't know why they wanted to see him react angry or something different. I said, this man, whether he talked different when he was behind closed doors, he's carrying the presidency. He's carrying something bigger than him, and he's addressing the nation as such. He's not going to dumb it down for you. You better, don't dumb it down for me, bro. Lift me up to your level and be like, yo, man, don't don't use that kind of words with me. Like, you got some people that don't like, I, I curse. I've been cursed since I was a little kid. I, I, I feel a couple of F-bombs here and there. Ain't nothing wrong with it. That's just me. But if I know that Kev and, and you don't curse, then I would never curse around you. I would make a conscious effort not I mean, to curse around you. I mean, that's disrespect, bro, but. You don't do yeah, it. I'm not going to dumb it down. That's not anything about being dumb or you know speaking any type of way that's just a respect thing bro and, and, and on that level i just wanted to point out too that there's there's even a whole other level that you know even when you are speaking in in vernacular we'll call it um that like you don't go to another hood and, and start using their little you know what i'm saying lingo either right jules you're not walking yeah. around yeah without bike, you know what i'm saying Nefs, you know what i'm saying like nah no nope. yeah. <laughs> he's not doing that <laughs> Nah, you don't yeah. do that. We, bro, that's every and and, and shout out to the Hill District. That, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because again, I wouldn't go to California. Yo, what up, cuz? What up, blood? I, I don't. You know what I'm saying that could get me killed. <laughs> that could get me yeah, killed. Yeah, so it's so it's a it's you know a respect thing. Addressing you, somebody. Even you, you can speak the same base language and sound as eloquent as you want or as ignorant as you want. And, you know, you can use it to flag specific situations or areas or whatever. You know, it's really a complexity. But I, I think that that language and kind of that gift that we have, like nobody's faults. You know, if you're Puerto Rican, if somebody finds out like, oh, you was on the phone speaking Spanish to somebody. You know, and they say, well, he's Puerto Rican. He speaks that way. You know what I'm saying? But people, you know, like, why do you use it to evaluate and, and judge and label black people you know based based on the way that they speak but you know what I'm saying like really I feel like I grew up bilingual I had a, I had a great point Kev I had a supervisor that used to tell me back in the day who's to remind me of their power and I said to them one day I said do you know that you're in charge and I was they're like yeah I was like no do you I'm asking you a real question do you know that you're in charge because you come across and you had to explain, well, Cleve, the only reason I'm doing this is because and I'm like, right, you, you did it because I, I, I broke a rule or I, I did something and you got to correct me. You know what I'm saying? If you're, the, if you're the king, you should be able to walk among the people with or without a crown. I still know that you're the king. The crown just lets me know that you're the king. But even if you're not wearing the crown, I'm still going to still bow to you and be like, yo, you know, Cab, you're the king. So when I say that, if I'm a, if I'm a PhD level person, and I'm talking to somebody who has third, third grade education, when I'm dumbing it down to them, I'm making myself feel like, wow, like I just have to bring myself all the way down to this level because to explain this to somebody. And then when you listen to yourself say it, you're like, wow, I sound like, a, like an idiot. Like I'm saying things, trying to explain a very complex situation to this person. And it's like, what am I, like, 
what am I doing? Yeah, bro, am my, I translating it my, right? My, my I have to use words had like a grade school education, and she had her own way of articulating things. But she was she was one of the most well. That's a different generation. Real yeah. people I ever met, man. If she yeah. could communicate any. Yeah. Yeah, you know I what I'm saying? Gra- she I could communicate like any idea. You know, so like she would tell me something like, uh, Luck is like a bald headed man. You got to grab him on the approach because once he gets by you, there's nothing to grab onto. And you sitting there thinking about it for a minute, like, Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> she, not Luck, she said, Opportunity is like a bald headed man. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on like, Man, she kind of right though. Like, <laughs> I, I, I give you what my grandmother gave me. What, right, what exactly. You don't make me shit. But so right, it's, a, but it's, it's so, so they didn't have problem. all of that formal education, man. But they were conceptualizing and communicating these same concepts. Well, okay. So on the flip side of that, the reason I said what I said, and I was going to segue to this and, and try not to keep you guys any longer. Like I don't, I don't like Michael Eric Dyson. I just, I just think the dude is a like a fake kind of like smart dude <laughs> he talks he talks in a way he talks in a way where i feel like offended like yo like fuck this dude this dude is like talking to me like i'm an idiot you know what i'm saying like you your brother and i'm like bro don't like you just sound like you sound like you it's like somebody saying something to you and then explaining it like they give you a word and then they define yeah he's very he's, he's very like he, 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 as, as you're talking about him, I, I can see and hear him. He's also very like, when I'm talking, I gotta move when I. Talk. I gotta, yeah, like, I gotta, I'm I gotta over here moving while I'm talking. I, I gotta get there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Kev, no, you're not even close to what I'm talking about. It's not even fucking close, bro. It's, it's I'm looking at this. It's like saying. It's like the dude on, on the debate team. Well, I want to just say that. And I'm like, bro, just say it. The fuck you going to just mechanical shit for it. Just just, I don't say. want no smoke with Mike. I think he, with I think Mike, Mike. I, I know some people that grew up with him. <laughs> <laughs> he might show up at your house tonight. I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just feel, I just feel like, like he could tone some of it down. You know, I'm, I'm indifferent to it, but I just, I get it where I'm like, you trying to make me, like you trying to flaunt your education. We know that you're a PhD. We know that you're smart. You know what I'm saying? We can, the three of us have right. degrees, but we don't talk to each other like, like, well, you know, Jules talks in, the, in, in, a, in because he comes from a profession that, that I'm, I'm not trained that way. You come from a profession. I'm not trained. So I can only speak to my, my angle of it. So when you, so when Jules starts to talk on something, to, to me, he's the expert in that regard. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, if he says something, I hope he can say it in a way where I can understand. If he's trying to use the word microaggression, like, am I going to freeze him? Like, what the fuck is microaggression? I know what it is, but somebody you talking to on the street might not know what that is. He might have to like really give the definition of it and say, well, that's what they call microaggression. That's different from what dude does. Like he'll say something and then he'll explain it to you like right after he said it before you can ask the question. Like, yeah, I mean, you, I, mean you know that? what? I like I hear I hear you. I can understand though. You spend a lifetime, you know, studying, learning all these words, reading hours, spending hours a day reading, you know, academic texts. My and point stuff. exactly, Kev. So why would you at, dumb it down to a third grade that point? like it's just gonna come back out that way because that's you are what you eat right you've been eating that information and, and that kind of vocabulary and it comes back out you know yeah. 
if 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 you or Jules talk to me rec- before I even knew your backgrounds, talk to me like right. we also like we on the street, and we we're not taking any any kind of words like articulate or vernacular or substantial or you know equitable. If we're not using any words like that, and we're only using what we, it's like limited. It's like when they say somebody who just curses a lot, like they have a limited a limited vocabulary, so they got to drop an f bomb. I just like cursing because I thought it was cool as a kid. I was like, yo, I like, I can't wait till I'm an adult. I can just curse everybody out. Like, I was just, I was that little kid. Like, I wanted to just be a grown-up real quick. But, but I always feel that if I'm addressing, if I meet you, you're setting the table and the tone for me on how we gonna, how we gonna always greet each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, certain friends that I have, I tell them, like, yo, don't use the red nigga with me. Because I, I had a, I had a very embarrassing experience, like 15 years ago. I was in a restaurant waiting for a, um, a, a, a friend of mine. They want to do some business, whatever. And we're both. I, I got off work. He got off work. We're both dressed dressed in suits and everything. I'm, I got to the spot first. Um, well, I thought I was there first, but he was already at the bar, and he yelled from a crowded restaurant, "Yo, nigga, I'm over here!" Like just kept yelling that shit. I was like, "Oh my god!" So I walk up to him. I'm like, "Kev, man." His name was Kev. I'm like, "Kev, don't like, don't do that, man." Like I'm like seriously. He's like, "Oh," I said, "We're not on the block right now." <laughs> I said, "I approached this meeting, although we're friends. Right. I approached this meeting like a meeting. I'm sitting here to hear out your pitch, not as your friend on from the block we grew up on. I'm out to hear your pitch as if I'm gonna give you ten stacks to say, well." put yeah. me in and what you're doing because because I think a lot of people they try to relate to each other but but by relating you can offend or defend how you how you look at it right from that angle yeah yeah I hear you hey I tell you any any anytime I try to if I'm bumping some some Jeezy or whatever I listen to when I'm in my little zone and I'm wrapped in my wife my white wife will come in the room she's like what are you doing <laughs> Because <laughs> you old, you I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is dumb, man. What are you talking about? This is Thug Motivation 101. You don't know me when I was back. Like, you laugh like, man, I'm just like, doing all You ain't know the jewels that you with the Tyrone Wheatley jersey. Yeah, like, but, 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 <laughs> but, but what I'm doing though is I'm like updating, you know, all the financials on the spreadsheet. She's like, "What are you doing? Like, you're not in the trap. You're in the kitchen right now on your Surface Pro spreadsheet." What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's actually um for our next uh, podcast to kind of lighten things up. I want to talk about well, it, it. It'll be light, but it'll also be deep. Um, I want to talk about the state of state of mm. hip hop or rap music. As 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 you know, from the era that we grew up in, um, to what's out there now, and how the cultures either been so dumbed down from that we don't even have. So would you would you say that it got like dumbed down like right around now? the time of like No Limit? Uh, to, to me, to me, I'm gonna go further than that. I think it got dumbed down when we started getting different genres. Like when it was, they started labeling it as gangster rap and horror, horror core, and all this other stuff. Because when I, in my era, again, I'm a little, I don't know if I'm a little older than you guys. In my era, like my introduction to rap was was Run DMC, KRS One, Rock Kim. Um, then Nas was literally the bridge, no pun intended. 
he was the bridge between old school and new school when I was on the, you know, I'm on the East Coast. So for me, when it started, like, when I started, because I don't watch the Grammy, I haven't watched that stuff in 25 years. Grammys, VMA, I don't watch that stuff because they just label rap or whatever in basically any category. Like, your song is going up against some, some other song. That didn't even, that's not even a rap song. And I'm like, how how is this, like, even going to have a chance against this song? Because they putting this artist up because for all the, for every Jay-Z, they got somebody that you, that's dope. Pharrell Martin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't even hear from, like you, he still makes music <laughs> he still makes music but then he hasn't you know what I'm saying he's not been on the forefront in a long time so I want I want to talk about that next time we all hit up and, and, and kind of get that get that going because it, it, it all relates around culture and all relates around what's popular and what's you know because now what's the new movement you get cancelled <laughs> no, <laughs> hey, so, so real quick for closing I'm an old man I'm an old man jump off and my battery's about to die Jules what's your top five yeah that are alive I gotta give them in no particular order man I can't be it, it changes every time uh Ho Big Pot Nas showing my age um, Prince Marky D. Who? I said Prince Marky D. Nah, let me let me hold that that fifth that fifth spot for the next 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 time. Let's, let's show my age. Let's start off with the fifth. Okay, right. okay, yeah. do that. All right, do that. Lee, what's your what's your top five? Um, number one, well, in that, not in any particular order, but All my right. number one is gonna be always Rock Camp. Then we got then we got Nas, KRS One, J J Electronica. And as Jules said, my fifth one, I got, I got, I got to reserve. I, I got to okay. think about that. All right. All right. Notice, notice, no pocket big. Yeah. There's a reason why. Yeah. We got to open with that next, week. next time. Yes, we do. All right. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. Top, man, top, top five. five uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna give you my favorite five. All right. Is is gonna be okay. Nas. Fab, um, who else? Cam. Wow, you went. You went. He went favorite. Favorite. He just ghost. I'm gonna go with Big Ghost, Dee Dee. <laughs> see, 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 see. That's the. See that's. And I'm gonna throw. And I'm gonna throw A Z in there. Three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, this yeah. Yeah, next week gonna be good. Bro. Next week gonna be good. We're gonna have a we gonna have we have a talk. And I might have to give y'all some bars. <laughs> right, right. I might have to give y'all some bars. Real talk. It's about, it's about. All right, man. Be safe. Yep. All right, fellas. All right, it's been it's been great. You guys have a, a, a safe rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And we'll, you know, we'll connect on offline to see when we can get together again. Again, if it if Wednesday night works no for you guys, All right. it works for me.